This is Firepower, only at Band.Video. And now, your host, Will Johnson. All right, welcome to FirepowerNews.com. Will Johnson, Tom Pepper. We have a live show for you tonight. Okay, so the jury member was put on the trial for Roger Stone so that they can hang him. And AOC, she is supporting Punch a Cop. Imagine that. How crazy can this be, right? Oh, yeah. We live in a world where Democrats have completely disregarded the law. In America, we have liberal judges that will appoint a member to the jury that is against the person that's on trial. In this case, it is Roger Stone. Sylvia Matthews Barwell worked directly under Bill Clinton. And her husband works for the Justice Department. Yes, the same Justice Department that is going after President Trump with the Mueller probe. And the judge seems to be okay with her being on the jury. Now, any other time, people will say, okay, we can't do this. We can't have this. But see, they say it's okay in this case. Now, liberals have made it trendy to want to punch a cop. Okay? The police officers, that support the Democrat Party, you remind me of black people that want to remain on the plantation. You keep supporting these people, the Democrats, when they're completely against the men and women in blue. Why would you support them knowing this? Did you not take the oath when you signed up to be a police officer? Now, I'm not saying that you need to be violent towards them, but you did take the oath, and they are against you. They are domestic terrorists. Now, Project Veritas has exposed the mainstream socialist media and their attacks on President Trump, CNN, but as well as Jeffrey Epstein with the pedophile island, ABC. They act like none of this is all an issue and they're trying to ignore it all. How about people that knew this was going on? How do you sleep at night knowing that you could have prevented one of these sicko monsters from attacking another young lady? But you didn't. You sat on the story. You kept it to yourself. You didn't want anyone to know that you knew about the story. So you allowed these monsters to attack young, innocent ladies. One lady that has come out and is telling her story is Jessica Collins. And where is the left? Where's the left at on all of this? Why is it only media outlets like this one that is talking about it? Why is it only media outlets like this is searching for the truth? These Democrats have taken over the judicial system to destroy this nation. They are doing everything they can to undermine everything that is just in this country. We have to unite now. President Trump needs us to do our part. And I know a lot of people wonder, what is our part? How do we do our part? You know what? Our part is when we support outlets like InfoWarsStore.com. A lot of people don't know what to do. But when you support stores like InfoWarsStore.com, 
You support people like me. You support people like Tom Pepper. And of course, you support the InfoWars family. You support all of us who is actually engaging with these tyrannical liberal leftists. Now, I'm asking everybody to go over Band.Video and share this video because we're going to talk about all of these episodes with the Democrats putting judges uh, judges in place to destroy this nation. You hear me? They're doing that right now. We're going to talk about this and much more on Band.Video. Once you go to Band.Video, you go to Firepower News and you'll be able to watch the link live. Or you can kick, uh, click on the link on the top right and watch it live. All right, so get ready, set, and firepower with Will Johnson and Tom Pepper. We'll see you back here in a minute. I mean, it feels like watching the trial process that the only question they didn't ask the jurors is did they bring their rope with them to lynch Roger at the end? I mean, that's the that's the it feels like a lynching jury process designed to create a lynching jury. Well, that's what I said. I said, why not just have a guillotine in there? Yeah, I mean, it it just it it's designed. Our whole legal system is designed to prevent this from happening. Why not just have Hillary on the jury or or Chelsea? Sylvia Matthews Burwell. uh, There she is. 1965. She's born. She met her husband at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. uh, And she was brought into government and worked directly under Bill Clinton. You can go read all this uh, for yourself, ladies and gentlemen. And her husband, uh, again, works at the Justice Department uh, as a Democrat going after Trump in the Mueller probe. And here is a photo of Stephen Burwell reportedly while she's being sworn in uh, with Joe Biden. Biden. So he looks like Eddie Haskell on steroids, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, there you go. What a nice group we have ruling over us. And so arrogant, it looks like, that the judge says this is fine. Welcome to Firepower. That was, of course, Alex Jones with Robert Barnes earlier today discussing the number one trial in the nation right now. That would, of course, be the trial to see whether or not Roger Stone will live the rest of his life as a free man. And if you haven't heard, yes, they picked an Obama agent to be on the jury. The judge is suspect. It is not looking like we will have a truly just court case when it comes to Roger Stone. Of course, no one really expected that it would be fair and just, but they're taking it to a new level. They're rubbing it in our faces. They will essentially get the entire Obama administration to sit as jurors on this case to determine Roger Stone's guilt. I mean, if guilty, this man is already in his late 50s. It is not outside the realm of possibility that he could never have another day at as a free man. And I know we've got some video that was shot by the InfoWars crew. I believe Rob Dew shot this. Roger Stone arrives for the trial. There's Will. I, I was just getting ready to introduce some video, Will, but I thought you may want to comment on this insanity. You know what? Roger Stone was guilty just because of his association with President Trump. He could do nothing. You know, he it could have been that Roger Stone did nothing wrong, but just woke up, opened his front door and then the left is finding him guilty, defining him guilty because he was speaking out against the tyrannical left. This is straight up tyranny was happening. And what they're doing to him is the same thing that they've done to other people in the past. They're going to try to find something, even if it's not related to President Trump, 
to try to get him and lock him away because he brought attention to stuff that they didn't want people to know about. And That's you were getting right, to the, yeah, and yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, a lot of folks don't remember that it was Roger Stone on the Alex Jones show who first started bringing up the very extreme importance of Jeffrey Epstein and the connections he has to Bill and Hillary Clinton, as well as the entire Democrat elite. It was Roger Stone on the Alex Jones show who explained that Donald Trump, then just a candidate, was no friend of Jeffrey Epstein. This man has been at the center of American politics for the past four or more more decades. And so, yes, they're trying to take him out. They're trying to destroy this man who has done nothing but work for this country over his entire career, because as you said, Will, he's friends with President Trump. Yeah, exactly. So then you have the left, they they will put in judges that will do their bidding. And, you know, it probably don't even have to because the judges are leftists anyway. So they're probably happy on attacking anyone that's associated with President Trump, anyone that loves this country. We have a video with President Trump that talks about this very thing. I'm so thankful that President Trump is aware and he's just not going along with the globalist system. So let's go to that video. In recent decades, our system has been under relentless attack by the left-wing activists who want to take the powers of the elected branches and give that power to unelected federal judges. They want to impose by judicial decree what they fail to win at the ballot box. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That's really familiar. When judges write policy instead of applying the law, they impose sweeping changes on millions of Americans without the benefit of legislative debate, public rulemaking, or the consent of the governed. As a result, these highly political rulings inflict painful damage on our security, society, and economy, imposing unworkable edicts on businesses, workers, families, and law enforcements really alike. They give many, many Bad nights to many, many people, including presidents, including presidents. But we power through it. We have no choice. I will do everything in my power to halt judicial activism and to ensure the law is upheld equally fairly and without political prejudice for all of our citizens. See, that's the way it should be, without political prejudice for all of our citizens, even President Trump, Tom. I mean, just because he's a president doesn't mean he's he, he he's owed due process. I mean, it's, it's like they could completely disregard everything because they hate this man. Will, it's really been a baffling experience to see. I mean, we used to, once upon a time, theoretically have three branches of government. You have the executive branch that makes the military decisions. You have the legislative branch, Congress, that comes up with our laws. And you have the judicial branch that serves justice, makes sure those laws do not overreach, and makes sure all of the other branches do and don't do anything illegal. But now, we simply have the executive branch and the judicial branch. And the executive branch and the judicial branch 
in this country appear to be at war. How many times has a federal judge in Hawaii trampled on President Trump? How many times yes. has Congress shirked its duty, forcing President Trump to pull the Obama card and say, I have a pen and I have a phone and I'm going to write my own laws. And then because President Trump is doing Congress's job, the courts come in to do essentially the job of the deep state. This is a sickening thing. Is there any wonder why President Trump is gloating about having a sworn in 150 judges so far and he, like, he thinks he's going to get to 180? Is there any wonder that conservatives to this day are still celebrating Judges Kavanaugh and Gorsuch? I mean, if we didn't get these two men and if we weren't in the process of reshaping the judicial branch of government, God knows where we would be. But yeah. still, it appears you just can't get rid of some of these people. And Roger Stone now has to deal with a horrific judge. Well, you know what? Just in the, in the state of California, I think it was a uh, prop eight where the, the, the people in the state of California voted against it, where the, a judge there decided that the people didn't understand what they were voting for. So mm-hmm. the judge reversed it. And this was for a gay marriage at the time in the state of California. So everyone said, no, we're not for gay marriage. We don't want it in the state of California. So then a judge overturned it and said, you don't know what you're doing. Gay marriage is allowed, regardless of what the people say. They find a judge to reverse everything. And you know what? It goes the same thing, Tom, with the with the whole impeachment, because they're still so upset, so butthurt over the 2016 election. They are finding uh, they're trying to go with impeachment to overturn the people's vote. So that's what they do. They find everything. And President Trump wants to do something that's positive for the country. For example, even build the wall. You find a judge to overturn it. They do it every single time. Everything. Everything. They don't, it doesn't even matter what it is. Well, it really shows how these people, the globalists, the deep state, the Democrat Party, what they think of the American people. They think that we are too dumb to make decisions about how we lead our lives. And so, therefore, they will have an unelected person, a judge who was appointed by a president who probably didn't even, uh, you know, if you take out the illegal immigrant votes, the dead votes, et cetera, probably shouldn't have won. And this person is going to decide how you live your life. It's a it's very little difference between this and the absolute monarchs of Mm -hmm. a thousand years ago, except now he wears a funny dress instead of a funny crown. (laughs) Exactly. A funny dress. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how police officers are being mistreated throughout the nation and police officers that keep continuously, continuously supporting Democrats is mind boggling to me. It's the, and like I said in opening monologue, it's the same thing black people do with the Democrats. Knowing the Democrats don't care about black people. Democrats don't care about police officers. Democrats don't care about white people. Democrats don't care about reality, but yet you still have people supporting them. Why? Because these are the Democrats that don't care about truth. Firepowernews.com. We'll be back after this. Well, under normal circumstances in a sane country whose leaders didn't hate it, 
The people in charge would condemn this kind of unrest. The cops would round up the people vandalizing public property that belongs to all of us and arrest those who are stealing subway rides. Order would be restored. Life would go on. People would pay their 275 to ride the subway. But this is America in 2019. So in a move that almost perfectly embodies the absurdity of our current political moment, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez came out in favor of the riot that Trace just described. Punch a cop! She's for that. Standards have shifted a lot in America, so it's hard to be surprised really by anything anymore. But a lawmaker suggesting that law enforcement, quote, destabilizes our community and siding with people who want to punch a cop. You wonder about that. You wonder if in the name of stabilizing her community, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would support a full NYPD withdrawal from her congressional district. Or maybe around the upscale apartment building that she lives in here in Washington. Huh. Joe Murray is a retired NYPD police officer. He's running for district attorney in Queens, and he joins us tonight. Mr. Murray, thanks so much for coming on. Punch Thank a cop, you, huh? What do you make of a sitting member of Congress endorsing the punch a cop movement? I mean, it's disgusting. Uh, I'm all for the First Amendment. I, I, yeah. I think people should express themselves. But when you're talking about encouraging people to commit crimes, particularly striking police officers, that's outrageous. That is the problem. They're, they're, they're completely lawless. They, they disregard all kind of, all, everything that is law and order. They completely disregard it. And that includes our children. That includes our safety. That includes the whole system. They completely disregard it, Tom. And these people that have been attacking police officers, and there, it's like they can't do anything. The police officers' hands are tied. I'm a black male, and I support the men and women in blue. And I've made it clear. I've gone out to protest against certain places that refuse to serve coffee to police officers. And, you know, many police officers don't know it, and I don't go and, you know, boast about it and say, hey, I go out and I support you. I put myself in harm's way, blah, blah, blah. It's, that's not the point. The point is, is that we live in a society where they're teaching our children to dislike police officers and to disrespect them. Imagine if all the cops didn't go to work one day, Tom. Well, we would have chaos on the streets, especially in Ocasio-Cortez's district, no doubt. But there is a certain level of irony here, Will. I mean, just last night we had Caitlin Bennett on the program to talk about how she was uh, violently beaten. Her producer and cameraman and slash fiance was attacked by these thugs in the street, and the police refused to get involved. They broke up the fight. No arrests were made. And this is becoming a plague all across the country. Police officers are being ordered by their leftist Democrats governors, mayors, etc., not to intervene. So the police are becoming an enforcement arm of the radical left, and yet the radical left hates them. Ocasio-Cortez wants them to be punched in the face. They are pro-riot. They are anti-law. They are anti-order. They hate the police who are becoming their unwilling sycophants. You know, well, what this really does is this creates a climate where no sane person would ever want to be a police officer. I feel bad for the overwhelming majority of police officers out there because they're being forced. They're, first of all, they're being demonized on every yes. single front. Then they're being forced to do the bidding of the Democrat 
France and Antifa, and they have yes. no recourse. They have nowhere they can go to get a pat on the shoulder and a thank you for their job well done. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would prefer it if the police, just like you said, didn't show up to work one day. But I'm guessing the people who actually live in her district would hate yep. it. You know what? That's why I always refer to this as a spiritual war, because you how else do you get people to all come together and think that police officers are bad? And they always demonize police officers, saying that police officers are white supremacists or they out to get black people. <clears throat> I, I refuse to believe that police officers wake up and say, what black person do I get to shoot today? They don't think that. I guarantee it. I'll bet you. And I'm willing to bet that they wake up thinking, am I going to have to deal with some idiot today that might shoot me? Am I going to have to deal with someone that I can't go home to my family? This is beyond beyond what we should be seeing. We have another video, Tom. I don't know if you've seen this video. This is the cops where they're where they are pretty much getting attacked in New York City. You know, they throw water on them and they're supposed to be OK. Now, at some point, it might be urine in it, feces in it acid in it. And then at that point, it's going to be too late. The police officer is going to be harmed. But we have a video where they're just trashing the vehicles. They're just doing everything. So let's go to this video and we'll get Tom's take when we come back. And this dopey mayor, Comrade de Blasio, they're not backing the cops and it's getting worse. And some of them are going to, they're now going to get hurt and, and worse is what I fear. Sean, they, they've turned into a hug a th- you know hug a thug mentality, um, you know, uh, supporting these protesters that are breaking the law. Um, these people should be arrested. They act like animals in the street. Um, I, I don't. I have no idea what the mayor's thinking. Um, it's demoralizing to the cops. It's degrading. Um, and it's it's something I really I've never seen before because any other mayor, whether it was Mayor Giuliani or Mayor Bloomberg, they would send out a massive uh, enforcement unit to deal with this and hold these people accountable for their actions, whether it's jumping the turnstiles, the, the, you know, attacking the cops, vandalizing property. Um, they're engaged in violence. Um, and nothing's happening at City Hall, well, and you have a congresswoman that's a complete lunatic supporting these people. Uh, yeah, that's called the anarchy. Pam Bondi, I believe they're putting these cops' lives in jeopardy. We have felony assault videos attacking cops, and then not ar- using the video evidence to arrest all, every single one of them. Why? That's right, Sean. Well, they are not helping them in those neighborhoods, but our great men and women in law enforcement, you need to know that in America's neighborhood, you are respected. And the people that are doing this are no better than the trash that they're leaving on these cars. Lives are at stake, as the commissioner said, our great men and women in uniform, their lives. But also, they were investigating a domestic violence call. As a former domestic violence prosecutor, that could have cost a life. And Ocasio-Cortez, needs to be voted out of office. I, I, honestly, it's like aiding and abetting, Pam. It I is. mean, that's the point here. Um, I don't blame cops if they now have to pull back. If they're not going to get the support of the mayor and other officials, elected officials, what, what are we going to arrest them next? For, you, if, you they, if God John, forbid they fight back and arrest these people, oh, God, God help them. Uh, there's a history here of the mayor not supporting the men and women. There's a history of the mayor attacking, uh, verbally attacking the cops. Um, all the way back to when he was 
campaigning for office. Um, so I, I understand the cops not doing their job, being afraid to do their job. They're not going to be them. identified and be supported by the mayor. I wouldn't do it either. Pam, last word. People need to respect our police officers and they, all the people who are doing yes, this. Absolutely. One day you're going to need a police officer and you're going to yes. need them to protect you. Yeah, People we, we, are no longer being taught to respect the police officers, Tom. Will, this is what happens when, thanks to America's leftist mayors, the police have become a political tool. They're being told not to intervene in these neighborhoods where they could save lives and restore order. And as a result, they get no respect. It's a horrifying thing. And again, I feel for the average police officer, the boots on the ground, they don't agree with any of this. They would much prefer to have law and order restored, but they have no choice. They have no recourse. They're a pawn. They're a pawn of the Democrats. You're watching Firepower. We'll be right back after this short break. Firepower with Will Johnson. All right, welcome back. Firepowernews.com. So we have Democrats where they want to remove the Bill of Rights from the having the American people from having access to it, for it applying to the United States of America. The Democrats would love to just get rid of the Bill of Rights and rewrite it in their own image. See, they want to take all of these laws, like we were talking about, like with the whistleblower, they just changed the law in 2017 just to fit their narrative so they can go after President Trump. They just changed any law to fit what they want so they can achieve their agenda. Tom, the Democrats don't care about the Bill of Rights. The Democrats want to rewrite the Bill of Rights. If they could, they would just completely do away with it right now. Well, we've already seen this happening with President Trump. This is now the second of the 10 rights that are supposed to be enshrined for every American that is being ripped away from him. It started, of course, with Mueller's report where they decided that the uh, concept of innocent until proven guilty does not apply to the president of the United States. Mueller, of course, said he could find no evidence that Trump obstructed justice, but he couldn't find evidence that he didn't obstruct (laughs) justice either. Now we're seeing it again as the Democrats are attempting to rob President Trump of his right to face his accuser. They are essentially saying the Bill of Rights does not apply to the leader of the last free country on earth, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, so everyone else, you know, you get due process. But President Trump, because we got to get rid of President Trump, it doesn't apply to him. So we have a video with Rand Paul explaining this very thing, how the Democrats are treating the Bill of Rights and how, and how, and how they even come on the floor and want to do away with it as far as President Trump. Let's go to it. Bill, I will introduce today, will expand the Whistleblower Act, would be made retroactive so Edward Snowden could come home to live in his own country. So suddenly, the Sixth Amendment right for a defendant to, conf- to confront the accuser is being applied to impeachment proceedings never been done before. And by doing this, the good senator from Kentucky, in my view, totally undermines the whistleblower protection. And so to call his bill the Whistleblower Protection Act of 2019 is, in my view, laughable. Mr. President, reserving the right to object 
I'm disappointed that any senator would come to the floor and find the Bill of Rights laughable. The Sixth Amendment is an important part of our Constitution, and the right to face your accusers is incredibly important. It's disappointing that in these highly partisan times that a, an actual U.S. senator would come to the floor and say that it's laughable that we would apply the Bill of Rights to the president. I'm very disappointed it's come to this. But I hope Americans will say and try to look at this with a more fair mind and say, absolutely, the president deserves the same protections that the rest of us deserve. I object. There it is right there. President Trump, he doesn't deserve any protections, no due process, nothing. He has no rights. He's just already guilty. You're not, you know, most, most cases, Tom, you're innocent until proven guilty. The, the, uh, the doubt, reasonable doubt is put on them, right? They have to prove that President Trump did something, but they don't want to do that. They just want to say that he did something wrong and that's it and go along with it. That's exactly what's happening, Will. And as we so often say on this program, it's important to point out that President Trump is largely a test case for all of this. They are seeing what the American people will think. If the sitting president can be assumed guilty until proven innocent, can have to go to trial without facing his accuser. If we sit idly by and allow them to do this with the highest man in the land, the president of the free world, then, Will, there is nothing stopping them from tomorrow saying, Will John Johnson is an anti-Semitic right-wing extremist who is planning violent acts, and we must arrest him. What do you mean, evidence? What do you mean, accuser? Doesn't exist. Don't need it. And it starts with President Trump today, and it ends with you, me, Alex Jones, and everyone else tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. So this next clip is with Lindsey Graham, and he's being questioned by some reporters. Now, the thing that really stuck out, stood out to me about this uh, this next video is how this reporter is completely biased. Right. Completely. And they don't they don't care. And, and if I go and ask the questions of uh, liberals, they run away from me. They don't even want to talk to me. They, they they avoid me by by every means. But in this case, this asking Lindsey Graham. And you can clearly tell the reporter what side he's on, which I don't have any issues with it, but it's not fair. So for like you and I, Tom, if we go try to talk to one of these Democrats, they will kick us to this curb and won't even listen to us. So let's go to that video. Impeach, former impeachment manager Lindsey Graham says he's not going to read the impeachment transcripts. Really? I'm not really? going to read these transcripts. The whole process is a joke. The whole idea that there's a quid pro quo based on somebody changing their testimony, presuming there was. Volker said there was not. He's the special envoy. You just pick things you like. Oh, hate this guy. You want to get him impeached. I'm not buying into Schiff running a legitimate operation over there. I was the impeachment manager. We did it vastly different. This is a political vendetta. Mueller, to me, was the final authority on everything Trump. I've read the transcript for myself. I made up my own mind. Volker, the special envoy, said there was no quid pro quo. Sunderland has changed his testimony to say he presumes there was. What I can tell you about the Trump policy toward the Ukraine, it was incoherent. It depends on who you talk to. They seem to be incapable of forming a quid pro quo. So, no, I find the whole process to be a sham, and I'm not going to legitimize it. Kevin, what changed your mind? You told Axios that you were willing to be open to hearing about yeah, But you, you didn't get the whole thing. You show me there's a criminal misconduct here. 
You know what? The, the, they're, they're completely, like I said, that reporter, you can tell he was like, you can tell he's a leftist and he's right all along. Like, really? But <laughs> if I presume to, you know, hey, I got it wrong when I said it here, but now I'm saying it correctly. You know what it makes me think of? Well, is is Sunland, right? Is that his name? I, I, I truly believe that someone got to him and got him to change his testimony. That's what I, that's how I perceive it. Well, it is a rare day that Lindsey Graham is once again our hero, and and I think you're probably right, Will. It's very strange that these uh, testimonies suddenly change midway through the process, but I would just like to say I'm glad Lindsey Graham is not giving this any life. He's not giving it any breath, and I would hope that the senator from South Carolina would do his job and call in the son, Hunter Biden, of Mm. Joe Biden, to come and testify. He has it within his power to subpoena this kid, this 38-year-old do-nothing with a drug problem who made $50,000 or more a month. He has it in his power. And I I agree, Will. I think that uh, it's very strange these liberals get these interviews with top Republicans on the Hill. And I would wonder what would happen if you and I went and tried to get a 30-second soundbite from Lindsey Graham. I don't think it would go very well. You know, he probably wouldn't even talk to us because we're conservatives. You know, we're conservative reporters. So what exactly what I was talking about, Sunland, he said there was no quit pro quo with Zelensky, right? I mean, and Zelensky ran on draining the swamp in his country. And that's the same, exact same thing President Trump did. So when you have two leaders of two countries coming out saying one thing and you have the leftists and the liberal media saying another, who do you believe? Why would you believe the leftists that want to destroy President Trump over two presidents that come out with the same story? And there was no quid pro quo. They weren't holding this money. They weren't holding it. So before we run out of time, let's go to that video. That Sondland was told by the president that this is the reason why the... You know what Sondland was told by the president? He said there was no quid pro, uh, pro quo, and I want Zelensky to do what he said. And what did Zelensky say he wanted to do? It's on the call. He says, I want to drain the swamp and keep just like you're doing in Washington. So that's what Sondland, when, when he talked to the president, the president was very clear. No quid pro quo. I want Zelensky to do what he said. And... What did Zelensky say on the call that he want to do? He's the one, Zelensky's the one who brought it up. He says, I want to drain the swamp in Ukraine, just like the president's doing here in the United States. There it is. There it is. He want to drain the swamp. But the Democrats, they're like, oh, no, he didn't say that. Don't pay attention to what he said. Don't pay attention because he wants to do quick pro quo. Even though he came out and said, no, there was no quick pro quo. Oh, ignore that. Ignore that. We'll be back. Well, in theory, at four o'clock, we're going to vote on two more judges. So I'll m- move this thing forward. Uh, so after I got beat like a dog, which he likes hearing, he called me over to the White House and said, I'd like you to help me. I said, I'd love to help you be a great president because you're now my president. And he says, I don't have your phone number. And I said, there's a reason for that. <laughs> So the highlight of my campaign was when you gave out my phone number. If I did as well as my phone number, it might have been a different story. Uh, To the committee, thank you. The Judiciary Committee is not for the faint of heart. Our Democratic friends are tough. They believe in their causes, and we have to fight hard for our causes. But one thing I want to say about President Trump, the defining moment of your presidency for me was the Kavanaugh hearing. 
This room would be empty if we had failed Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh lived a life we should all be proud of. He worked hard, and the way he was treated was the worst experience I've had in politics. A lot of people would have pulled the plug on him. Mr. President, thank you for not pulling the plug. And let me tell you why it's important. Who would have been after Brad if he had went down? What conservative young lawyer would want to go through this if we'd have failed Brad Kavanaugh? So Chuck was right. When you run and you get reelected a year from now, one of the main reasons is that people in the conservative world believe that you fight for judges. God bless you. Thank you very much. You fight for judges, you fight for America, you fight for the people in this nation. Thank you very much. And the Democrats can't stand it. Soon as there's somebody, oh, we can read elect some more judges. See, that's how the Democrats have changed all of the policies in this nation. They elect judges to push everything through because they know they can't get anything past the normal way. So they find a judge. Prime example, gay marriage. They know they couldn't vote on it. They know they're not going to get it. So they took it to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, what? The Supreme Court made our law? It doesn't even supposed to work that way. But for some reason, this country has just let it happen. We've all gone with it. Tom, we just like, this is the norm. This is the new America. And the Democrats keep saying that President Trump is going to change the new America. <laughs> well, Will, that's right. I mean, another prime example is Obamacare was, of course, the Supreme Court of the United States who decided that it, it could somehow pass because, uh, you know, it's not a tax, but it is a tax. Very, very strange, strange ruling from all that time ago. And now, of course, we're stuck with it. But this is, of course, the Democrat plan. They know they can't get their ideas through Congress because they're objectively terrible ideas. And the Republicans, weak in the knees as they may be, will at least stand up against them when their feet are held to the fire. So instead, they want to have their liberal president, their Democrat president, sign a piece of paper, and he wants to have the courts rubber stamp it. That's the way the Democrats envision this country working. Congress is a sideshow to the judiciary and the executive branches. But now, of course, it backfired on them because President Trump was elected three years ago. They never saw it coming. They didn't think it was possible. That's why Obama had a hundred or so open seats. That's how come President Trump has now done more uh, appointed judges than any other president except George Washington himself. It's because the Democrats were so full of their hubris, they didn't possibly see it being possible that President Trump could win. I mean, it really shows these are not the brightest people in the world. Evil, yes. Intelligent, no. Yeah, Absolutely. So this next clip that we're going to play, this is one with Eric Trump, where he says that President Trump taught the Republican Party to fight, and the Republican Party has never fought like this before. I have to disagree with him on this, because in the beginning, when the Republican Party was first created, they fought against slavery. They fought for women to vote. They fought against, you know, the Democrats trying to squash civil rights. They fought all against these Democrats in the beginning. They fought so that we... All of us could have our freedoms today, but the Republicans seem to forget all about that. But so as so since then to now, I would he is correct. But in the beginning, the Republican Party was strong. 
Because if they weren't strong, we would, I wouldn't be sitting here today, Tom, talking to you. I mean, seriously, just think about it. I wouldn't be sitting there talking to you. You're a white man. I'm a black male. We wouldn't be talking to each other if the Democrats had it their way. And it's, and it's crazy. So let's play this clip with Eric Trump talking about the Democrat or the Republican Party finally fighting. I could go down the list of a hundred other scandals that they should get the transcripts for. Why don't they get every transcript of every call that Joe Biden and Barack Obama ever had with Ukraine, with Russia, Russia. you talk about all the time, the more flexibility after the election. Let's get all those transcripts. Let's put them out there. Let's let's see what's there. If they want to play this game, why doesn't the Senate depose every single person? Why don't they subpoena every single person? You know, but the one thing, Sean, that I have to say I'm really happy about, my father's taught the Republican Party how to fight, right? They've never been fighters like this before. And it makes me happy to see Lindsey Graham on here, and it makes me happy to see Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan. The Republicans are finally learning how to fight against this awful, awful system, this swamp. And, uh, and honestly, he should be commended for that. You know, he said the same thing you said, Tom. Lindsey Graham, it's, it's nice to see Lindsey Graham. Same thing you said. Go, go ahead and put your remarks on it and then introduce this next video for us. Well, and again, I just go a little bit further than Eric Trump, but he's right. I mean, and you're right too, Will. In recent years, since probably the 1970s, the Republican Party has lost its fight. I think it maybe happened when Richard Nixon got taken out for something that seems like a molehill compared to the giant mountain that is Obama's corruption. And I agree with Eric there as well. Start deposing, start subpoenaing every single Democrat. And I think he, in a way, said that to give a message to Lindsey Graham. Lindsay, it's great to see you saying the right things. Now, you've got a pin and you've got subpoena power. Put the pin to paper. I want to hear from Hunter Biden. I think it would be very, very interesting. But another person who is seemingly stepping up to the mantle is, of course, Mark Meadows, who was sort of ambushed by MSNBC. They tried to get a comment. They insulted him. And it turns out he does not respond well to insults. Let's air this next clip clip number 11 ambassador volker hold on we have mark meadows right here congressman meadows can we talk live so he he's walking by right now but republicans are really struggling to defend the president okay great struggling on anything okay so congressman republicans are not struggling on anything so congressman there's one (laughs) republicans are struggling republicans are struggling see that's you know what you know what, Tom? I look at Drudge Report every day, and I have to I have to admit that I haven't been happy looking at Drudge Report because it's, even Drudge Report makes it look like the Republicans are struggling. And I think I think the main reason why Drudge is doing this is to make it look like, or to make make conservatives get off your butt and do more, do something. That's that's, and I, I could be wrong, but that's my perception. I certainly hope you're right about that, Will, because I've noticed the same trend. And this is Matt Drudge, who, of course, the only real televised appearance he's made, to my knowledge, in the last 10 years was on the Alex Jones show. And he very presciently warned of everything that's happened. He warned about the deplatforming of Alex Jones and the mass deplatforming of conservatives all the way back in 2015-16 on that very, very, I mean, it's like a seminal interview with Alex Jones. So I certainly hope that that's what this is and that he's trying to yeah. 
inspire us to move forward. But it was it, 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 it's fascinating to see Mark Meadows kind of push back on this, right? Because the MSNBC, the MSDNC, as you say, I call it MSNPC half the time on accident. But they're, of course, trying to weave this narrative that the Republicans are just about to abandon Trump. They're done. Yeah. They can't do yeah. it anymore. They're losing their hair. They're going gray. They can't they can't handle this crazy orange man. Orange man bad. Exactly. And of course, it couldn't be further from the truth. The Republicans seem more unified than ever in recent history. Yeah. So we've got this clip we're going to go out with with Jim Jordan where he points to them that they don't even look at the transcript. They don't want to look at certain transcripts. So let's go to this clip while we go out. We have the, the definitive account on all this is the one from uh, Ambassador Volker, uh, who, who was this? Well, he was he was the special envoy to Ukraine. He was the guy who was in in, in this each and every day working on these issues. And uh, it's interesting. That's the one transcript you all don't want to talk about, but it's the one that is is the the guy that uh, our first uh, witness, um, as I said, the special envoy. And his account is consistent with the fundamental facts that I've said, I've said several times and never changed. Um, we got the call transcript. We know there was nothing wrong with the call transcript. We got the two guys on the call who said there was no pressure, no pushing, no quid pro quo. We have the fact that the Ukrainians at the time of the call didn't even know aid had been held. And we have the most important fact is they did nothing to get the aid released. No, took no action, took no step, made no statement. Nothing. No See, that's it. No President statement. Trump didn't force them to take to give information, find out about Joe Biden. They were not forced. They still got the aid. It had nothing to do with it. But let it, the left tell it. It's completely different. Quick pro quo. Epstein didn't kill himself. Forged in the fire of truth. Firepower with Will Johnson. All right, welcome back. So Epstein, Epstein is still in the news. You need to pay attention to what's been happening with Epstein and the rest of them. So we have one lady, one young lady actually speaking out. Her name is Jessica Collins. And the liberal media can nowhere find, be found to talk about what her story is. What happened to hashtag believe the, believe the woman? What happened to the liberal media being champions of women? You don't have any of that. So we have this young lady. And if anyone that sees this video and you know who she is, please have her contact us because I would love to bring her on so she can tell her story. Tell her to go to Twitter and to the firepower at firepower news and have her contact me. I'm always looking. All right, let's go to the video. The reason you don't see me in the news is because I am a real victim. Real victims are not being represented by attorneys or in the media. I was trafficked to Jeffrey Epstein and Andrew Windsor by Deborah Palfrey, the DC madam. I was a student at the Catholic University of America in Washington, DC in 2002. I answered an ad in the city paper the ad was ambiguous. Deborah was professional. I thought I was going on a real job interview. Instead, I was drugged and raped by Paul Hung. I tried to tell Deborah what happened, but something she said made me realize she knew what happened. At that point, they had my driver's license, and I did not know what to do or where to go for help. 
At that point, I was driven by Jonathan Luna to the Bethesda Marriott in, on Pooks Hill, where Jeffrey Epstein and Andrew Windsor drugged and raped me. I have tried to get help. I called the police. I was abducted for two weeks. I was moved from Washington, D.C. by Ed Norris, who was the superintendent of the Maryland State Police. He is now an actor on the show The Wire and has a radio show. My name is Jessica Collins. I live in Virginia. Today is September the 3rd, 2019. If anything happens to me, it's because this information is true and I have a lot more information about who I was trafficked to in the government, people who are in the White House today. If you could redistribute this video, please save it and redistribute it. If anything happens to me, at least I have this out. I have been threatened. My car was disabled by a government employee when the Jeffrey Epstein news broke. I have been without a vehicle for 40 days. Um, I don't know what else to say. Please save this video. Please redistribute it. Please try and spread it. There is no way that this is going to get out there in the media unless we, the American people, do the work. The government is involved, and I was trafficked for nearly 17 years. Please try to help by redistributing this, tweeting it, talking about it. I'll do everything that I can. Thank you for listening. I hope that together we can get to the bottom of this and hold the criminals accountable. Hi, this is Johnny Carson asking, you have a daughter who's a really good-looking chick. <laughs> well, you may be able to change her life and improve your financial status because Prince Andrew is looking for a new girlfriend. <laughs> Just drop a nude photo of your little nymphette in a self-addressed stamp envelope and mail it to Royal Affair, Buckingham Palace, London. The reason you don't see me in the news is... All right, firepowernews.com. We'll be back with our special guest, the Wright Brothers. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back, firepowernews.com. We have special guests in the studio with us tonight. Uh, they, are, they go by the Wright Brothers. I love it. The Wright Brothers. I met these guys, these gentlemen, maybe over a year ago, and they came onto my personal broadcast, and we had a beautiful conversation. And, I, and I, when I moved to Texas, I, re I remembered that they live here in Texas. They are conservatives that are fighting against the narrative that black people must vote Democrat on their YouTube channel. They're at, they even asked the question, 
Do you have to vote Democrat just because you're black? So without further ado, welcome, gentlemen. Well, thanks for having thanks us. For having yeah, us. man, I'm excited to have you here. Yes, sir. You know, this this picture right here is like terrifying to the left. <laughs> oh, like, oh, my goodness. What All these black people, they're supporting President Trump. <laughs> what is what are we doing wrong? Right. Uh, there, There's something to be said for the sheer number of people who might not feel like they can't actually vocally support the president. But uh-huh. there's a lot of them out there. You know, we're blessed to be able to boldly use our platform to spread the message of hope and the message of aspiration to other people as well. So that's kind of why we started our whole channel. And it's just been a, an honor to do it with my, my big brother here. <laughs> and uh, it's just been a, a crazy ride the entire time. Your big brother. You're a little bit bigger than him. Yeah, just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Older, not not bigger anymore. It's been a minute since I was bigger. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's been a great ride. Uh, I mean, we're still in the, the beginning stages of it, we'd like to think. And uh, I, I think... For the longest time, it's not like there haven't been minority conservatives before, uh, black conservatives before, but I think the uh, advent of social, social media over the last decade and the proliferation of social media is what's kind of made it, uh, made it seem less isolated to, uh, to be uh, conservative and to, and to voice that opinion. And that's something that we're trying to help facilitate with our channel, uh, not just for minorities, obviously, but uh, it never hurts to, to get another voice out there. So we're happy to be a small part of it. I think a lot of it because of the social media that people that watch your channel and watch others' channel, they see, wow, there are people out there that actually think like me and I can relate. Or you, you touch someone and say, you know what? I didn't even think about it like that. And you get people to start thinking, you know? So let me ask you this question here. Why do you think black people feel they have to identify with Democrats? You know, a lot of it is just honestly pure social programming. And a lot of it has been the reinforcing of the same messages over and over again and messages that have not actually been actively combated for quite a long time. There's a quote by Joseph Goebbels. He says, if you repeat a lie long enough and often enough, people will believe it. And we've seen that sort of social societal conditioning that's really done us harm as a community, as African-Americans. I don't care if you're African-American, if you're Hispanic or what have you. There's been this inherent message of victimization that has been pushed on minority groups for far too long. And the Democrats, they've done a great job, actually, this past couple of decades of trying to masquerade as our benefactors, mm-hmm. right? And when you actually understand your history and do your due diligence, that's when you understand who really did have our backs when the chips were down. And the answer, unsurprisingly, is not the Democratic Party. Yeah, you know what? When I was, I was going through the transition of uh, becoming, being a Democrat, to a independent because I was still like Larry because I didn't know and then to a Republican. Then now I'm just conservative. Right. I, you know, because the Republicans, they kind of, yep. they're like, they're starting to come around, but you know, I'm just, I would say that I'm a conservative Christian, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, during that transition, I started finding out information, doing the history on it and finding out how the Democrats were the one who created the KKK, et cetera, et cetera. And I just got angrier and angrier the more <laughs> I started learning because at first I was, Having conflict feelings about it because I was always told Democrats were for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think it's a it's a message of uh, collectivism that has been pushed and and a lot of it preyed upon uh, the very real struggles that minorities have faced in this country uh, over uh, since since its inception. Uh, but the the problem is you can't take old rhetoric and apply it to. 2016, 2017, 2019. Uh, what I hear so much is people on the left and Democrats speaking in, in, t- in tones as if we were still seeing Bull Connor in the streets uh, in Alabama, and that's simply not the case. So if you're going to play on people's proclivity to want to 
you know, be a part of a team and a cohesive unit, you have to come with some sort of a, an argument that makes sense in the current times. But what Democrats have realized is that people respond more to sensationalism and sensationalism is what causes people to, mm. you know, adhere a little bit more closely to each other. So they, they've departed from facts altogether. That's why you can trot out rhetoric like uh, concentration camps and mm. uh, where we're going to take your AR-15. And that actually plays well because people aren't actually using their brains at this point. They're just reacting to the emotional propaganda that's being put out. Exactly. It's just like the Democrats have convinced the masses that it was Republicans that were against civil rights <laughs> when it was the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Right. And to that point, you could possibly make the argument towards just being ill-informed in the past, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Where we're at now as a society, almost everyone has the most advanced supercomputer in their pockets at all times. Yes. But what matters is how you choose to use that. There is a wealth of information that is out there, but you have to take it upon yourself to actually do your research and understand what the facts are before you're just willing to just accept whatever is foisted upon you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's known that the uh, the Democrats started the KKK, right? And they they've now they pushing it to where like Donald Trump is racist. Uh, anyone, and this is how I see it, and I, I say it all the time that. Every time you have a Republican that's happened to be white, in this case, President Trump, mm-hmm. and he does something like the job, you know, rating right now, the lowest mm-hmm. in recorded history mm-hmm. for black people, people of color. Right. They call him racist. Have, have you noticed that that pattern with with those on the left? And I think they do that to control people, right, to keep them in their place. Oh, absolutely. And and it's it's actually telling of the times that we're in um, the worst thing that you can call someone other than a sexual offender is a racist at this point. So if you can effectively not even prove that someone is a racist, but cast enough aspersion at their character to where people think that they are, then at that point, you've effectively neutered any message that they've sought to give. So if we're going to sit here and, and act like you know Donald Trump is a racist, we have to go back and Look, at they pulled the same card on, let's say, uh, Mitt Romney. They pulled the same card on John McCain. And only when those gentlemen happened to come out against the Republican that they hated the most at the time, which is ironic in you know, the fact that Donald Trump is not really a lifelong conservative at all. Mm-hmm. But he's their persona non grata number one at this point. <laughs> uh, it's, it, the fact that they, they play that card on him and that it works every time, it says more about the constituency than about them. Because honestly, it becomes a marketing game for them at this point. So it's up to people like us, people like you, to get that message out and, and combat this misinformation that just plays on people's fears. Now, I know like on social media, and I'm pretty sure you get it, too, because I'm a black conservative mm. and I support President Trump, that I get called all of these hateful names. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's like they call me these hateful names thinking that they're going to be able to, like, get me to stop <laughs> supporting President Trump. Right. And I've actually had people send me emails telling me you need to stop doing what you're doing because you're not helping. You're making things worse. <laughs> and not any time I ever call for violence. Mm-hmm. You guys, I watch your videos all the time. You don't call for violence. Right. You talk about what the left is doing. And because you talk about what the left is doing, that is a problem. Right. That is probably the best way to ascertain when you've actually won an ideological argument is mm-hmm. when people start name calling when they do that that means they don't have anything left to do but cast aspersions on your person as a person attack you personally i don't have a problem if you want to come at me that's fine but you need to do so from an ideological perspective 
lay out your points, what you believe to be true, and we can have a adult civil discussion. But civil discourse in America is dead, and that's unfortunate because of the the climate that we've kind of perpetuated at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So we're getting ready to go to break. When we come back from break, I want to play this video for you with uh, Ralph Northrum. For Virginia. Okay. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we're going to play this video for you. And I want to get your opinion on uh, on this video. You know, he's the one with the black face, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Virginia. And he won again, right? Huh? So, I mean, like, what what are they thinking? What are the people thinking? Unreal. It's, yeah. it's unreal. So, okay. So when we come back, we're going to play that video. And we have the Wright brothers in studio with us. <clears throat> Awesome gentlemen, awesome gentlemen. Like I said, the left, they hate to see black people off the plantation and they will come and tell you, you're out of your place. You need to get back. We can't control black people. So we're going to bring in illegals to replace the black people that we're leaving. That's the way the left thinks. All right. Firepowernews.com. We'll be back. I know this has been a very difficult week for you in the state of Virginia. So where would you like to begin? Well, it has been a, a difficult week. And, and, you know, if you look at Virginia's history, we're now uh, at the 400-year anniversary, uh, just 90 miles from here. Uh, in 1619, the first uh, indentured servants from Africa landed on our shores in Old Point Comfort, what we call now Fort Monroe. And while... Also known as slavery. Yes. Yeah. And, you know... Isn't it kind of ironic? I mean, him of all people is, you mean you call it slavery? He go, yes, yes, yes. Make up, blackface. I mean, really? Wow. He really just tried to ameliorate the concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just when you think you've reached the bottom, uh, there's, there, this is the floor now. Someone else just pulls out a shovel and just goes even deeper. The Democrats are very good at that. Right. I mean, how low can you go? Pretty damn low. <laughs> I think I think we found that out, and it it amazes me how uh, Ralph Northam is uh, you know has this blank look on his face as he's trying to relate the very simple concept of the Middle Passage and slavery. And he he looked like uh, he had another moonwalking uh, convention to go to in San Antonio, like you talked about last time. <laughs> oh god! Exactly, exactly. Okay, so I got another question here for you. Most black people consider themselves Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that you can be a Christian and a Democrat? Not currently based on the stated mission of the Democratic Party. The Democrat Party has made their positions on several issues very, very clear. One of those, parlaying off of the Ralph Northam video, is the abortion debate. Mm-hmm. The Democrats, they are always in favor of abortion, and they will try to rationalize all day long. Oh, well, there was this one case here, this one case there. The USA Today they found that of all the abortions that take place, less than 1% of those abortions are actually the result of rape or incest. So those, once you know that information, you're equipped to go and engage with people who might say, I'm a Democrat. And it's like, well, you claim to also be a Christian. So we all, we all know about the sanctity of life. And we all know that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. And so if you come at them with that argument, they're going to have to really stop and say, okay, so then abortion really is an act of convenience. Let's just be honest. We live in a hedonistic society. Where people are encouraged to indulge, but not face the consequences for those decisions that they take. So for someone to say that they, they are a Christian, but they're also a Democrat, just based off the abortion argument alone, you can't be duplicitous that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to, to piggyback off what you were saying, uh, the wonderful thing about America is you can be pretty much anything that you want to be 
you can delude yourself into anything that you want to as well. And I think uh, it, it really comes down to how far you're willing to take that delusion. Uh, yes, you can be, you can claim to be Christian and also be Democrat, but to do so shows that you're willing to put up enormous blind spots to stated, stated uh, positions that the Democratic Party has taken. And let's be honest, it's not really been a secret, uh, the overt uh, animosity that the Democratic Party has towards Christianity in general. Uh, and you don't even have to go so far as, you know, propping up other faiths, but the very fact that, you know, if you are a, a Christian, you're deemed as being, uh, against so many other, uh, so-called subgroups, uh, it, it shows a, a basic lack of understanding for the core tenets of your party. And I, I think it's, it just shows how far people are willing to go to delude themselves into something that they want to do just to take on a label that they like. I mean, it kind of goes along with them. Uh, you know, telling little boys that you can be little girls. That's, that's coming from the left. Mm-hmm. The drag queen story time. That's coming from the left. You know, I mean, the, the, I mean, they look straight up demonic. That is something from the left. And then a lot of people on the left still call themselves Christians, but, and then they don't speak out against it. Mm-hmm. Or some of them will say, well, I don't support that. But then when it comes time to go vote, they pull the lever for the people that is supporting this ideology that they're pushing on everybody. And now here in uh, the state of uh, Texas was the ISD that they just passed a law to teach little boys how to have anal sex. Mm-hmm. So, th- I mean, this society is like on the verge of like imploding, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, and when you look at it, any, any Christian should be indignant at the open attack on the youth in this country right now. We've got laws that say, oh, well, you can't do this until you're 18. You can't do this until you're 21. But we have laws now that are trying to be pushed on the American people that say, oh, well, if your child says they feel like a, a girl today and they're a boy, then you should like get the puberty blockers. And all." There was a case up there in Dallas where the father was trying to raise his son as a son, but the mother to whom the father was divorced, was this the one with seven year olds? Yes. And come to yes. find out she wasn't even a biological mother? Yes. Yep. Exactly. But we have these cases going on and it's like, we're pushing this envelope farther and farther and they can only, the pendulum can only swing so far one direction. Mm. And to me, I find it abhorrent the fact that we're willing to sacrifice sometimes parents you see sacrificing their own children who are visibly confused on this altar of liberal political correctness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that it really hits home for me. I've always been passionate about you know, the subject of protecting our youth and uh, passionate about, you know, the subject of abortion. Um, but becoming a, a father myself recently, I have a two-year-old son at home who is uh, absolutely my entire world. I love that kid to death. But he uh, he reminds me of what is important when it comes to this political idea. It's not just about scoring points. And I feel, I feel like people kind of lose that when it comes to these debates. It's not just about trying to prove my side right. It's about the very real consequences that you have when you foist these types of damaging pr- principles on young minds that, quite frankly, are not ready. And if we're going to live in a country where the age of consent is 17 or 18, but then turn around and say, oh, it's okay to give puberty blockers to uh, underage kids, I have a problem with that. And if we're living in in a society that that has uh, abortion on demand existing side by side with baby showers and gender reveal parties and Nobody has a problem with that. Yeah. To me, that just, uh, the, the cognitive, yes. di- the cognitive dissonance there is just, it's mind boggling to me. I mean, yeah, what does this say about the people that mm-hmm. engage in this? Or what does it say about the people behind the scenes that's pushing this? Mm-hmm. You know, 
I mean, because it's not the majority. It's like it's, it's a minority that's pushing this. And for some reason, the majority of the people are going right along with it. You know, it's a very vocal minority, too. Yeah. And what they've been able to do over these past several decades, they've been able to advance further and further along their agenda. And we've seen it happen on a very linear plane. Mm-hmm. And we've seen them first say, oh, we only want this law passed or this law passed. And now we're at this full-blown chaotic moment where their true intentions are becoming known to the average person. And parents are more concerned with showing how cool and hip and liberal, whatever, what have you that they are, than they are about actually instilling the actual values children need at these critical points in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. So they're showing B-roll right now with a uh, drag queen storytelling time. And they're, you know, the, I mean, it's, it's demonic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I would never personally, the parents that have their children here subjecting their children to this, this, this disgusting. Have y'all seen this? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, like, it's, it's the same reaction every right? time for me. I, and, and where I come down on it is, you know what? If you want to be, you know, a drag queen, whatever, I'm, I'm more libertarian when it comes to that. If, if you're a full grown adult doing it with other full grown adults. Yeah, but when that's they, fine. when they if you, the children. Exactly. If you're doing this in a children's library, if you're doing this, you know, in, in full view of underage, if this was a male stripper, you know, a straight male stripper doing it for, you know, a, an underage girl, everyone would be up in arms and rightfully so. Yeah. But because it's somebody support, supposed to be for uh, LGBTQ, which, uh, by the way, not all are for that, but, they like to fly this type of behavior under that banner, then all of a sudden it's okay? No, not at all. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so when we come back, I want to show you this other video with uh, Ralph Northrum, how he's talking about abortion. Okay, so all right, we have the Wright brothers in studio with us. We're going to talk to them uh, and much more when we come back from this break. Firepowernews.com. no exception. There was a very contentious committee hearing yesterday when Fairfax County Delegate Kathy Tran made her case for lifting restrictions on third trimester abortions as well as other restrictions now in place. And she was pressed by a Republican delegate about whether her bill would permit an abortion even as a woman is essentially dilating, ready to give birth. And she answered that it would permit an abortion at that stage of labor. Do you support her measure and, and explain her answer. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I wasn't there, uh, Julie, and I, I certainly can't speak for, uh, Delegate Tran, but, um, I will tell you one, uh, first thing I would say, this is why decisions such as this should be made by providers, uh, physicians, uh, and, uh, the, uh, mothers, uh, and fathers that, that are involved. Um, there are, you know, when we talk about third trimester uh, abortions, these are done uh, with the consent uh, of obviously the, the mother, with the consent uh, of the physicians, more than one physician, by the way. Um, and it's done in cases where there may be severe deformities, there may be a, a, a fetus that's non-viable. So in this particular example, uh, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and 
and the mother. So, so I think this was really blown out of proportion. Uh, but again, we want the government not to be involved in these types of decisions. We want the decision to be made by, uh, the, the mothers and their providers. And, and this is why, Julie, that legislators, most of whom are men, by the way, shouldn't be telling a woman what she should and shouldn't be doing with her body. And is do you Roe think multiple Wade positions should have to weigh in? I mean, as, how as, is, is Roe versus Wade? Supreme Court judgment, right? Is that not part of the government? Because he said that we don't want the government to control any of it. But yet they ruled over it in the government. One of the branches. It's a I direct mean, contradiction, direct contradiction. And the fact that you can just roll into it and not see that, is, it blows my mind. Yeah, and most people hear that, don't, they're not even putting two two together. Mm-hmm. No, it really is a shame. And when you look at the way he even delivers what his thoughts are on the process, he, he just has this such a such a sanctimonious air about yes. him. He's just like, oh, let me just tell you this and tell you that. I'm going to make you feel comfortable. And that's almost a lulling to sleep. It's a classic tactic to begin with because – what Democrats are sometimes very good at, we saw with President Obama, is the art of elocution. And you're able to deliver a message in a way that makes people feel good, in a way that they're not going to actually follow up and challenge or understand exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing this insidious undercurrent with these current politicians. And he's the biggest one. He's up there. This is the same guy who was wearing blackface. Yes. You know, and he was talking about how, oh, abortion and then a fantasy, infanticide on top of that. And, and make no mistake, the number one group of people who loses out with abortion is people who look like you and me. Yes. Multiple times. And you know what that's bring me to this made me think about something else. Mm-hmm. The black population in this country is still low. Mm-hmm. The most people that are aborted in this country are black people. Mm-hmm. And when I brought that up to you know people when I go out in the street and stuff like that and I bring that to the, their attention and they say I don't care. I don't care. And they said, and I, I've even had a conversation with this, uh, this black gentleman on my, uh, my personal home, uh, when I take phone calls there. Uh, he was calling me and I said, why don't you join me? It's a black male. He called in. He's from New York. And he and I said to him, I said, look, he hates President Trump. And I said, do you agree with abortion? And he said, and he wouldn't answer. And I said, look, won't you team up with me to help fight to end the killing of black babies? And he go, no. I love my Democrat party. Unreal. And, and it completely took me back that you would actually even allow those words to come out of your mouth. And, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> First, we both are passionate about this. Yeah, when it comes, when it comes to the issue of abortion in particular, I've always been passionate about it. But like I said, I, you know, recently became a father and it, it at, at this point, I have to be very careful how I approach the entire, uh, the entire discussion because my emotions will get very much involved and that makes it difficult to present a rational coherent front but i'm doing my best sometimes here. i let yeah. loose and i just yes. go, rah, 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 <laughs> because you know what we we this is just like uh like you were mentioning how his his uh his his his, his posure you know he was like yes uh the you know some of them are possibly deformed and you know you have to some of them but they don't do that they use it mm-hmm. as a mechanism to get away and so they don't have to be accountable for their actions. Mm-hmm. And when you roll it out there as, as casually as he did and, and with, you know, the, the type of kind of peroration that he did, it makes it, uh, it makes it easier to digest because if he just, let's, let's face it, if he just sat there and said, you know, in a little pithy sound bite, yeah, um, well, 
kick the infant over to the side and you know see if they live or die and we'll have a we'll talk about it and you know we'll see He's what happens to be there. civil about it yeah right? exactly but when when you just put that type of window dressing on something and think that it, it's going to pass and then it does pass that shows that there's a very real problem and back to your point about the the gentleman who refused to team up with you that's why it's very important not to identify so much with labels because here's here's the deal as a as a conservative I know most of my views line up with the Republican Party. However, if I see something that makes logical and rational sense from the Democrats, I haven't seen that in a while. But if I see something like that, I'm, I have no problems with saying, hey, yeah, let's team up on this. This is a good cause. I can get behind it. But DR, there's some there's some issues that should transcend that. But when you run into people and so many people have bought into the team sports aspect of politics to where you're entrenched, regardless of whether it makes sense for your own personal beliefs or not. That is a very dangerous place to be in ideologically as a country, and I feel like that's where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to say personally, um, I think the Democrats are the enemy. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, and and it goes it goes spiritually for me because they go against everything God is about. They they voted God out at the DNC. Right. They they reject everything. You know what God has created. He created male and female, and they reject that. They follow everything of Satan. You know, one of the things I said, if Satan went to the DNC and told everybody there about his policies, and I'm like, which policy would they disagree with? They would stand up and applaud him. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. Because everything that he represents, they love it. Yep. And they, they tolerate no dissent either. And that's something that's very telling is if you say, you know, I disagree with you on this perspective. And here's the reason why that they demand nothing but the most obsequious servanthood possible. That's all they care about is they want you to fall in line with whatever they do. So to your point from before with that gentleman, he cared more about slavery to the party mm. than, sla- than he cared more about his own people. Mm. And that to me is unconscionable. Yeah. And that's when I, when I heard him say that, I was, I was taken back. I was blown away. Right. And he got upset with me. And then he, he went on to say, he said, you, Candace Owen and Brandon Tatum, you hate being in your skin, don't you? And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I said, well, thank you for at least, you know, you're looking at me with Candace Owen and Brandon Tatum. Right. That's just kind of an honor, but I hate being in my skin. I said, no, you know what? I love who I am mm-hmm. and I love how God is using me. You know, I'm not a perfect person, you know, and, and I, and I, and I tell everyone that I have faults mm-hmm. and I don't have a problem telling when I have faults, but I, and, I, and God is using me. Um, to, to a point to where it's like I'm still like pinching myself, you know, and it's unbelievable what God is doing and how he's using me in my life. Yeah, before every before every show that Damani and I do together, we've started doing some solo projects now, which are exciting as well. But before every show that we do together, uh, we we bow our heads in prayer together and ask God to give us the words that he would want us to say, because we realize mm. we're broken, imperfect people. We just want to be worthy enough to be vessels that he uses to you know, bring a, a message that we feel needs to be heard uh, in, in America and whoever else tunes in around the world. But it's it's not about it's not about us as people. And, and I feel like people ha- have a hard time separating the message from the person. Sometimes you, a, a good message can come from wherever God chooses to to use it, regardless of the caliber of person involved. So personal attacks uh, on someone on my character or on character of someone with whom I may agree or disagree, that doesn't really affect uh, what I say as much because what, it, I truly believe that what I have to say comes from God. It's not 
something that I just sit in a dark room and conjure up because I hate being in my skin. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what? And I'm like, you know, I, I mean, I love who I am and I still, I'm still learning who I am and what I can do and what God has in store. Right. So it's, it's amazing time to be alive. So when we come back, I want to ask you about the, the new record low job unemployment and how President Trump is moving this nation and how much he's doing for the black community. All right, firepowernews.com. We are here with the Wright Brothers. We'll be back. All right, welcome back, firepowernews.com. We have the Wright Brothers in studio with us. Awesome conversation. I love their input. One of the things right before we went out to the break, I was talking about the unemployment right now. All time low. You know, we had an all time low a couple months ago, right? Remember that? Mm -hmm. And then just with this past weekend, another all time low. And then you have, where's the left on it? The left, they don't want to talk about it at all because then they have to acknowledge that President Trump did something that benefit everybody, mm -hmm. but he's racist. <laughs> you know what's telling about how the left feels about this economic boom that we're experiencing right now is the fact that during the State of the Union addressed earlier this year, when President Trump made the announcement about the black unemployment at that time, when it wasn't even as good as it is now, the Congressional Black Caucus couldn't even be troubled to stand up and give him his due Thank you. I for remember helping that. The, to facilitate this. Yes. That just shows you that they don't want, ostensibly, they don't want you to be successful. They want you to need them for something. Mm. That is how they've built their careers. And if you don't need them anymore, they're out of a job. So that's why they're really upset about this incredible economic growth that we've seen. It's for that very, very reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and to, you know, piggyback on that point, it, it's interesting how we're, we hear from the left all the time, how much of a racist Donald Trump is. If he were that racist, number one, he would not be celebrating, openly celebrating uh record lows and minority unemployment. He would not. <laughs> and and, yeah. and on top of that, he would be actively working to subvert that. Uh, and they want to give uh, uh, Obama the credit for economic trends going in the right direction. It's, it's that argument's kind of played at this point. We're three years yeah. in. I, I don't think you can really throw it back that far. But even if you could, what policies would Trump have come up with that are actively going against you know any progress that we've been that we've seen being made? None. And the fact that you know they they can't point to anything. They just go back to the lazy, he's a racist card. That really shows you that he's, they have nothing. Yeah, he is the worst white supremacist <laughs> in the history of this country. He is. He is. Failure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. Do you think the, Demo uh, the Democrat Party impeachment inquiry is justified? Or do you think it's just a witch hunt? <laughs> you want I already know your answer. Like, I, want to, I want to get everyone to hear it. Uh, you know, I think it's just the latest battle plan that they have. Because they've been throwing things against the wall now for three years. We saw Russian collusion. That sure didn't stick. The Russia collusion yeah. delusion. Mm -hmm. The collusion <laughs> delusion. And, and now we've shifted to this. It's just like, it's one thing after another. So at some point you have to say, maybe we, maybe if we really do want to win this next election, maybe we should start looking inward and not outward and look at what we need to do to fix what happened in 2016. But they're so obsessed with challenging the results of the democratic election mm -hmm. that they are, they just are obsessed with vilifying him at every step and turn. And there's no proof with what they're talking about. Yeah. And, and what I also fear is looking at this from a macro perspective, uh, what goes around always ends up coming back around. 
so at some point, we're going to look back on you know the events after the 2016 election and the the moves that the Democrats have made, and we're going to see that as a little bit of a, a watershed moment in American political history because it, you you've seen an entire party uh, reveal outright that they are not going to accept the results of an election, and not only that, they're going to use the full power of the American government to subvert the will of the people. And when you have a government, a, a deep state, whatever you want to call it, that is willing to go to those lengths, uh, you really have a uh, representative republic that is in peril uh, because the the voice of the people can be overruled. And we're actually seeing that happen across the pond with uh, with uh, Brexit and, and how the UK is you know basically thumbing their nose at the at the vote to leave the European Union, kicking the can down the road and hoping people that will just kind of soften their stance on it. We're seeing uh, a kind of a preview of what that can lead to over there. And yet the Democrats are happily engaging in it over here just so that they can have a better chance in 2020. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So here recently, uh, you know, President Trump was celebrating the 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 uh, killing of the ISIS leader. And we had we had the left on the sideline. Now they're saying that he was a a uh, what, what were they saying? The, that a, austere religious scholar. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm like austere. <laughs> how, how does, how does, how do they fix their mind to, to do the, and, and you know, uh, once again, the way they put it out there, the way they, pre- the, the presentation, mm-hmm. the whole facade is that, you know, oh, President Trump actually killed someone that might have been good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's the way they're portraying it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that one actually hit close to home for me as well. And as many of y'all know, I'm a United States Air Force veteran. I remember vividly when the news came down about uh, Osama bin Laden finally meeting his maker uh, in grisly fashion, and I hope he suffered. Uh, but I was actually on a military installation at the time, Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, and I remember the entire dorm compound that I was in just basically turning into a block party for the night, which is not normal for uh, you know, a, a regimented schedule that we were on. But you know, people justifiably let loose, and then we saw the coverage after afterwards praising uh, the armed forces praising President Obama, and that's something that I'm more than willing to give President Obama credit for because it, that's some, that should be a no-brainer. If you are facing an existential threat to American society and American values, and you take them out, I don't care if you're a D or an R in the White House, that should be celebrated. So I was hoping for you know similar coverage when it came to President yeah. Trump doing something objectively good. Yeah, they kind of did it a little that. bit, right? They, you know, right after the the killing of Al Baghdadi, you yeah. know, they they kind of did a little bit, yeah. Yeah, he he got what he deserved. He should have been removed, whatever, blah, blah. I think mm-hmm. they just did that to get that perception that, mm-hmm. hey, yeah, we're against ISIS mm-hmm. because they're so bad. They would put Christians in cages, submerge them into water. Mm-hmm. But the left, they still don't talk about it. And now he's just a, he was a religious scholar. <laughs> that shows the lengths that they're going to go to to try to undermine President Trump's real positive accomplishments. Make no mistake, this was a, a monster of an individual who met his untim- or some should say timely end uh, at the hand of President Trump's direction. Mm. And it doesn't matter where you fall, when someone like that who would come here, I don't care how liberal and progressive and loving you are, right. who would come here and pop you between the eyes in one second if given the chance, why can't we celebrate this? Why can't we be happy that this abject terror facilitator is now gone? Yeah. But now people hate Trump so much now. They're going to try to run defense for the other side who would come here to America and kill them if given the chance. That's what they want to do. Absolutely.
So we're we have like about three minutes left. Let me ask you this because this is like one of the hot topics right now that's been buzzing the the internet waves, the airwaves, and that's Epstein. <laughs> he didn't kill himself. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There it is. And you know, Alex Jones, he had been talking about Epstein years ago. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's news today. He's been talking about it years ago, and they demonized Alex Jones mm-hmm. yep. and before telling the truth. But now here it is. He's all in the mainstream media, all in the news, but, and they don't want to refer back to Alex Jones. I'm telling you, I think he got a crystal ball somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, seriously, Alex, I, I personally believe that Alex Jones is going to go down as one of the greatest men for exposing the globalists in this, in this whole fight that we're all in, you know, right. and even cause he's been through so much, but I'm, right. I'm, I'm, like, I'm not trying to like kiss up to him or anything, but no. it's just, the, it's just, yeah. he was talking about all of this. So let me have your, your points of view about how, you know, like the Veritas broke where, they were hiding in ABC, mm-hmm. didn't want to talk about it. And then, you know, let's get your opinion on it. We're seeing, we're seeing the mask being pulled from uh, the eyes of the American society. I think just a little bit by how, uh, how much information can and is manipulated uh, and the timing in which it's disseminated to the public. Uh, I mean, if the project Veritas video basically revealed that major news networks had the story about the same time as the 2016 election and sat on it, sat tried, on to, it. Be- tried to squash it because they Clinton. knew exactly they knew it would affect Hillary Clinton. So we want to sit here and act like we have a you know free press, which we do. But when the free press goes out of their way to abuse that freedom and does it with the express purpose of altering uh, elections in this country, uh, I think a real serious look needs to be taken at you know the type of information that's being disseminated. And it also makes you want to go back in history and figure when has this happened before? Have we been deluded when less information was available? Exactly. It's very scary. Exactly. Okay. So I know we're going to run out of time yeah. and I wanted you to have your talk. No, I, about I it. But tell everyone before we run out where they can connect with you guys and how they can send you messages, the colorful messages too. <laughs> <laughs> Go All for it. You can find, uh, you can find us at the right brothers. R-I-G-H-T Brothers. Uh, when you go to YouTube, they're going to ask if you meant the W-R-I-G-H-T Brothers. No, you mean the Wright Brothers. You can find us, I promise. And then also you can find me on Instagram at the Demani Felder and at Twitter at the Demani Felder as well. And for me, it's at T-Bird Trey underscore 10 and Trey is spelled with a three, not an E. And also look for us on Facebook at the Wright Brothers I-P-I-D. Awesome. Awesome. Man, I'm so honored to have you here with me and join me in studio. We have to do it again in the future. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Another episode of firepowernews.com. I want to thank everyone for going to band.video and sharing the links. This is what it's about. This is the war. We have to engage. We need to wake people up. All right. God's willing. We'll be here tomorrow. Good night. God bless.